Hi, welcome to Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees and lots of other things that we found out about becoming a lawyer and the people that do. Hi, I'm Ella. I'm a business affairs executive at BBC Children's and I think I want to be a solicitor, but I don't really know what kind of solicitor I want to be or how I make that choice. So I had a chat with Yamo Kiji, a solicitor at Bindman's Law Firm, who qualified in 2013 and now specialises in personal injury and medical negligence cases to see how she did it. So you're a medical negligence and personal injury lawyer. So I've just started line of duty after being pushed into it by friends for months and I'm already obsessed. But in every single episode, there's always somebody that gets hurt. And I've always envisioned somebody with your job is the person that works with those who are injured. Now, is that really far-fetched or is is there some truth in that? No, that's absolutely right. So I'm going to have to admit, I have not been watching line of duty. I know everyone's obsessed with it. Seems that way. So I might have to go back. (laughs) Uh, But you're exactly right. Medical negligence and personal injury. I act for claimants who have been very seriously injured, essentially. So there's always some injury. There's always some, you know, medical problem or or something that has gone wrong. So you're exactly right with that. So exactly how does a personal injury lawyer help a victim or somebody who's been injured? So we will help them by bringing a claim against the hospital or the insurer if they've sustained really serious injuries as a result of negligence. So that could be negligence in an operating theatre or negligence because a GP didn't refer them on quickly enough and now suddenly they're diagnosed with cancer that they wouldn't have had before. So it's essentially bringing a claim against the insurer or the NHS for injuries suffered as a result of negligence. So it sounds like you have quite like a personal relationship with your clients, really. You do end up building a relationship with them because these cases can go on for three, four, five, six years. Wow. Um, so it's not a long a co- time. It's a long time. And it, it takes such a long time because the cases that we deal with or that I deal with, uh, the injuries are catastrophic. And so it takes a long time to properly assess A, what has happened and B, how it affects them on a day-to-day basis. And then also their prognosis, which isn't always obvious in kind of year one or year two. So day to day, talk me through what sort of things you'll be dealing with. The workday is very, like very varied. There are exciting and less exciting days, I guess. A really exciting day uh, may involve a settlement meeting with the defendants, with the insurers or um, barristers from the other side and our barristers and our legal team to basically see if we can reach uh, an agreement in the case that might happen once or twice a year. Something that is exciting that happens a lot more regularly is me going to see my clients. So I see them fairly regularly. It's obviously not happening at all this past year, but it's quite typical to see clients every month or so just to see how they're getting on and take updated witness statements and make sure they're okay. There's lots of assessing losses. So looking at bank statements or employment records to go back and see what they would have been doing had this awful injury or accident not happened and what they're doing now. Um, As you can imagine, lots of letter writing. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So your work actually sounds like really exciting to an outsider like myself. Have you had a a favourite case you worked on? Oh, that is tough. The cases are very interesting. There's always an angle that is brand new, um, really novel, something that you learn about every single time. It's hard to pick a favourite case or a favourite client because, like I say, you do bond with these people and you build relationships. There's a woman that I will 
never forget who was just so, so special. Um, and she was essentially very disabled because of a, a really severe type of headache disorder. Um, because of the negligence, she developed like a worsening of that headache disorder into cluster headaches. I don't know if you've heard of um, cluster headaches before, but it's basically like... I the, haven't, no. The wor- they say it's the worst type of pain that, that anybody can feel. They're just It's just like an extreme, extreme, relentless headache that can come on randomly. Um, and so the, the negligence made that worse and also physically injured her. So her injuries were devastating. And she was a young woman. She had her whole life ahead of her. Um, and despite that, and despite what had happened, she was and is so positive and so generous and so funny and just very inspirational. Um, and I think she made me look at life differently. And she, you know, had gone through so much and was in so much pain. You know, these are the sort of things you won't usually hear about. And I can imagine, I can imagine that can be quite difficult. That was a difficult case, just because it's so hard to see anybody in pain, isn't it? Um, so that was tough in lots of ways. I acted for the the parents of a three-year-old boy who died of um, meningococcal septicemia after he was he was discharged from hospital because they thought it was chickenpox, but it wasn't. Um, Gosh. And then uh, basically got worse over the course of that night and like very sadly died after he was taken into hospital. It was too late. There was nothing they could do. Oh, that's terrible. Awful. I'm sure lots of solicitors who do this type of work will say that there are just some cases that will stay with you forever. And I think that was sadly one of them just seeing you know the grief in the parents faces whenever you spoke to them whenever you took statements whenever you it was just harrowing and I'm only seeing a tiny percentage of that and it was still really difficult so you know there are really sad times and this area of law isn't for everyone I think and you have to be able to take that weight I think sometimes how do you find you deal with it you know for someone like me I would be awake all night thinking about that how you know how do you cope with that yeah it's really hard I don't know if it's um a personality thing and and some people are just better able to compartmentalize certain things um I think having a really good team helps because you can talk to them it is a lot harder at home but normally when you're in the office and you've had a really rough day and you know it's been really heavy for whatever reason you can talk to people in your team and it lightens it a little bit um so that is really important and also taking a step back and thinking you're here to do your job you're here to help them in one aspect um that's all you can do really so you there's a bit of kind of compartmentalizing going on uh it doesn't mean that there aren't occasional you know sleepless nights and things weighing over you even after the work day but for the most part i think the the balance is important and just trying to keep that perspective of i'm doing the best i can i'm trying to help in some way and taking that i guess as a as a slight positive from it yeah yeah totally so at the moment, I am studying law of tort and criminal law <gasps> with, I know, I know, that's how I feel as well. Um, I've got exams coming up in June and I'm okay. having, as you can imagine, to learn tons of cases. I have yeah. uh, notes all around my office oh, trying to remember you. them. But a lot of these cases, uh, in the tort ones especially, involve compensation for the victims in damages or f- other remedies. Mm. So in these sort of cases, would you have a role in this and exactly? Can you like tell me kind of what what you would expect to do with that? You know, if you received that case, then where would you go with that? What would be kind of the first step? Yes, I mean, the only thing that I can do for my clients is get them money, really. You can't change what has happened. And it's so important for the client 
to understand that in at the get-go because nothing is going to change in terms of, of what has happened. So the only remedy is compensation, is money, and that will go some way. So it may help you get a prosthetic limb that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get because you've now got an amputation. It may be able to buy you the right type of accommodation so you've got a ground floor uh, property where you can wheel your wheelchair into that. It may be able to pay for therapy like speech and language therapy or physiotherapy or whatever it is, but it cannot change what has happened. And my job is just to get them that compensation that's a no that's a, honestly a really helpful explanation I don't suppose you do tutoring at the side do you because <laughs> no, I, I could no, do I with do some it's a shame <laughs> I don't think you need <laughs> do, do let me know if you change your mind <laughs> a bit of extra money on the side <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, but that's so interesting that you're doing tort now what um What's your favourite out of the criminal side and the and the tort law? Um, <laughs> no gosh. pressure. Yeah, no pressure. No, you know what? I am actually swaying towards the torts, even oh. though most of my colleagues who have done the tort said no, it's awful. <laughs> you know, it's it's. But I am. I'm swaying towards that. And uh, when I was younger, I wanted to be a vet. And oh. so injury doesn't really bother me. I, I'm okay. I'm one of those people that go and find those pimple popping videos on YouTube. Oh god. Uh, yeah, and I'm generally quite nosy, so I like finding out. But okay. do you think you have to be a certain type of person to go into your line of work? Um, I think that yeah, not being put off by kind of guts and gore and blood is important because there, there's lots of that. You know, you're reading medical records, and there are sometimes really horrible things that have happened, and you have to read about it. Uh, you can't be put off by that. So that interest in uh the the medical side is really important it sounds like something that you could do were you ever interested in going into me (laughs) um no but I I actually have uh, obviously I'm gonna have to think about specializing in the next five years or so and it it, it's something that I need to know about because you know I really honestly don't know what I want to go into at the moment I'm all CBBs and Mr Tumble because I'm working on areas (laughs) contracting with TV commissions but you know, there's so much out there that I'm yet to find out about. Was there like a defining moment for you when you knew what you wanted to go into? Um, so I think uh, it's difficult because I didn't always know that I wanted to be a lawyer. I always knew that I wanted to help people in some way. And that's why I did psychology as my undergraduate degree Um not really knowing about law. I didn't have really any lawyers around me. So that just didn't seem like an option that was open to me. Um, And then in my final year of university, two of my friends went to this talk about the GDL and the route to becoming a solicitor. So I just essentially tagged along with them. Um, Um, What's the GDL, sorry? Sorry. So the GDL is the Graduate Diploma in Law, which is the conversion course. Um, So you can do that if you've got an undergraduate degree that isn't law and it's like an intensive 10-month course uh, that you do at the end of an undergraduate degree that gives you the equivalent of a law degree and then you have to go on to do what was the LPC before but I know that all of that's changing now so it was the the kind of conversion course um, that we had and so I kind of signed up because of that Um, again not really knowing what area to work in, what type of law I'd be doing. I just signed up um, and then applied to work as a receptionist in this high street firm in Enfield, which is where my parents lived and where I moved back after uni and somehow miraculously got the job. And it was being in that environment that I was like, 
this is just really cool. You know, the solicitors there were seeing clients on a daily basis. They were just really helping ordinary people. Um, and that solidified in my mind, okay, I want to do law. This is good. And it wasn't until the taught law module on the GDL that I really knew that this was what I wanted to do because I really enjoyed the medical side, which is something that interests me anyway. So I think that uh, was quite attractive. And then I essentially applied for jobs that were related to that. So I fell into it a little bit. I didn't always know that this is what I wanted to do. So it's more out of passion for for that kind of area. I I think so. Yeah, it's ultimately just helping normal people. Anybody can be injured you know, in an accident, anybody's life can be turned upside down at a moment's notice. Um, And just being able to help those ordinary people is what gives me a lot of job satisfaction. You mentioned uh, you worked at a high street firm. What was your first impressions of going into that? Honestly, I was so naive, I think, when I started. I was super young. I had no real office experience. I'd worked in McDonald's before that. Um, So I was just really naive, but so keen to learn um my first impression was just this is so cool like the office had such a buzz and such an energy and there were people you know walking all over with files and faxing and copying and dictating and I was the one answering calls and typing up their dictations and it just felt it just felt really cool to be part of that um so first impressions were really good which is why 10 years on I'm still here yeah I uh, I did nine months at a law firm myself and there was a lot of court bundles yeah. and a lot of cup of tea making <laughs> but it, it made me not want to work in a law firm but it did actually make me want to go into law which oh, it was quite surprising but okay what parts of it did you not like as much the kind of law firm based stuff? For me, it was the competitive side of things um, because I'd actually already worked at the BBC. Going into a completely different environment was a bit of a shock and I was still very much at the start of my career. So going from quite a relaxed, um, open environment to a very competitive, Mm. um, um, timekeeping, no using your phone at any part of the day. You was like, ooh. (laughs) This is, and maybe now if I went back again, it would be completely different because that was four years ago now and I, I, I probably am a different person. So maybe I would enjoy it a lot more. But at the time I was like, nope, never going Not back. Not for me. Never, no. <laughs> you know what? There are so many different types of law firm because what you're describing to me there is very typical of what I would perceive a corporate law firm to be. Where I work, um, we're kind of known to be more of a human rights firm um, and it, it isn't we don't have that kind of intensely competitive nature um, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of teamwork. Uh, we're, we're all really good friends and, you know, have a laugh. And so that, that side of things, I think if it was how you described, I also wouldn't really fit into that um, so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are different kind of options, I think, different types of law. It's nice to know that there are other law firms out there like that. And, and maybe, you know, like I said, one day I'll have another opportunity and I'll go back and I'll absolutely yeah, love it. You just don't know. You mentioned you worked at Mackey's. So <laughs> has that put you off for life or have you eaten a cheeseburger since? <laughs> oh, this is so embarrassing. Yeah, I've definitely eaten a cheeseburger since. Um, it did not put me off. Um, it was great. It was a great place to to work and learn actually. Um, and there are, I think I've said this before, but you pick up so many skills in that type of 
job and in that kind of role. Um, and, and something that I, that I say before is anybody working in retail during university or before or after picks up so much in terms of conflict resolution, dispute resolution, keeping customers happy, being organized, being efficient, you know, running around. There's so much that you learn that is really important in law and lots of other types of jobs um, that that you really grow in a job like McDonald's. And it sounds silly, doesn't it? But there's it's a customer facing role and your job is to you know, keep people happy and, and, and do all of that. So I think I actually learned a lot from that. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, um, people always say that the jobs you have when you're younger, part-time in college or at uni, often help you prepare for your future career. And you don't even realise it until later on. Um, I was a lifeguard during my teen years alongside my A-levels. And looking back, you know, it prepared me to cope (laughs) with the public and just generally kind of having that confidence to discuss with people a lot older than me because often or not they were angry yes. parents with yeah. young screaming children yeah. and now thinking to you know people I'm having to deal with on a daily basis it's, it helps a lot with those people skills and the soft yeah. skills like you said so yeah and keeping calm under pressure and being calm in a stressful situation that yeah there's there's just so much that you learn in those type of jobs um, that it's really important I think for students to reflect that in their CVs because often you just don't you know you wouldn't you might not include working in Primark for three years because you think ah that's not important they just want to see work experience and law related stuff but there I think it just shows so much character and uh, all all of those really important skills are, are built in those kind of roles and it's important to to tell people and to emphasize that when you are applying for legal jobs so I hope you don't mind, but I've actually been stalking your work page. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> no there's nothing awful, I can assure okay. you. But So you went from qualifying to partner in seven years and you were nominated for an excellence award. I mean, that's amazing. What is your advice for somebody looking to follow in your footsteps? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think you have to be interested in the area of law that you go into firstly, because law is tough it can be quite grim it can grind you down and if you're not interested in that area you're going to disengage and get bored I think Um, so picking an area that you're interested in I think really helps Um, and then just you know being curious and learning as you go along you know wanting to help clients get a good resolution I think is what has helped me along the way it's quite difficult to (laughs) to pinpoint you know what it is I think um, working in such a good team helps because you're inspired by the senior people around you who are doing such a good job and who are there to um, really help ordinary people so um, I don't know if I should say this but my old head of department is this incredible woman she's like my idol and she was joint head of department when I joined um, and she I think a year in she said to me this job isn't that hard is it and I was like what, what? she was like you've just got to be organized it's not that difficult you, you know you know how to write a letter you've just got to be organized and uh, speak to people like a normal human and, I, and after that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite good perspective. Like, this isn't rocket science. As long as you know the cases, know the law, are, are good with people, care about your clients, I think you can only do a good job, really. No, and I think you should give yourself more credit because I do think it takes more than that. <laughs> when you qualified, was your workload like a load more than you were expecting? 
No, it wasn't. It was always manageable. And I think, again, I was lucky because of the team that I worked in. They really look out for the junior members um, of the department. There were lots of moments where I was scared or nervous. You know, the first time that you go to court to get even a basic application approved before a master, you're just really nervous. I remember walking up to um, the Royal Courts of Justice, which is just such a grand and beautiful building anyway, practicing how to say my name <laughs> to the master before. <laughs> and it's such a basic application, you know, that, that you'll get approved. So there are obviously moments where you're doing things that are completely new um, and you, you you might feel nervous and, and scared. But I, but it, it, it was never kind of too much I think as long as you're organized and the support is there it it felt fine do you ever get those moments now where you feel nervous if going into court or otherwise um I should not admit this but of course you do I think you're never going to know everything and so if there's something that's happening either for the first time or um the odds are are stacked against you possibly in a particular case um or that it's just really important that everything goes well it's, yeah, I, there are there are often times that I feel nervous just because you care and you want the outcome to be good. Um, so it is, it'd be, it'd be difficult to be stone cold <laughs> the whole time. Do you have any advice for young people when you have those nervous moments? Yes. So um, <laughs> what I used to do and still do now, actually, if, if I'm preparing for something that's super important or that I haven't really done before, is just to prepare like a short script of what you need to get across the points that you need to get across and have that to remind yourself so you can refer back to that um taking a deep breath really does help you know physically that taking the time to take a deep breath helps um uh, uh, and then having the note to refer to i don't think i have a magic answer but kind of those two things and then experience helps as well the, the longer you do something the more you do something um the less nervous you will be and if you don't mind me asking, uh, what was your wage like when you first started out? I, I don't mind you asking at all. So it was rubbish <laughs> because I work in a claimant kind of human rights, legal aid type firm. Um, and so uh, it's not at all similar to corporate law salaries. Um, I, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's somewhere between when you first qualify, it's maybe... 30 to 32,000 as a qualified solicitor but in court and that is it that is a really decent salary but if you compare it to kind of corporate law firms where newly qualifieds are being paid a hundred thousand pounds or you know mad amounts um, it's not comparable to that so it was uh, a big jump up from my trainee salary which was kind of the 24,000 maybe around that figure um, so it felt like a huge jump but it it's not comparable to some types of law. When you were at the stage of your training doing your GDL and LPC, how did you make ends meet? Because you don't get a huge salary. How did you how did you manage that at the time? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I took out a huge loan with NatWest. They were offering a professional graduate loan. And so I took out a 25K loan with a massive interest rate at the time. I think it was 6 or 7%. Um, and that's what I used to self-fund the GDL and the LPC. And I was also still living at home with my parents. So my outgoings were really low. I was still eating whatever mum was cooking. Um, and obviously the loan and working at McDonald's part-time, all of that helped. But I didn't have... Um, you know, other funding, which was like a little bit silly of me. I probably rushed into getting that loan because I just wanted to sort out everything really quickly. But if I'd taken the time to 
do some research, I would have seen that there are loads of grants and other options that are available. And the Law Society has various schemes that you can sign up to and apply for to be able to fund some or or all of these different courses yeah as part of this podcast we're trying to make people aware of all the kind of different funding that's out there for people trying to get into amazing that's great that would have helped me 10 years ago (laughs) yeah that's what we're hoping (laughs) yeah and kind of like as a, a final thought what is the most important piece of advice you would give me as somebody aspiring to become a lawyer? Oh, um, just go for it. I mean, if this is something that you really want to do, go for it. Apply for different types of work experience. Apply for volunteering positions. Um, Really do research into the different types of law uh, that you may be able to work in to try and hone into what it is that you're interested in so that you can tally up your work experiences and, and other things with that. So you can have a really strong CV, really strong um, application when you do apply for, for those things. One mistake that lots of people made that I probably made at the beginning is spreading yourself too thin and, and not being 100% sure. So you apply for everything and anything and you're not actually suited for half of the jobs. Um, so really taking that time and doing the research and thinking about what your skill set is suited to and then you know pushing forward in in that direction I think is important so Georgie what did you think about my chat with Yama she is so so passionate about her job and doesn't she just make you want to be her best friend yeah a hundred percent um from an outsider perspective my, my when I think of personal injury law I think oh gosh like I sort of can't think of anything worse because it's kind of meeting people at the worst time of their lives and just, you know, incredibly sad. And, and, and like Yama says, like, there's nothing you can do to really make it better. You're, you're getting compensation to improve their quality of life. Um, but the way that she talked about, like, the purpose of her job is to help normal people is, I mean, that's absolutely what law should be, right? Yeah. But, like, the purpose of what we do is to just, like help people in a specific way with some specific tools. Um, and I just thought that that was, that was really brilliant. I also loved how she talked about her team and the ways that a good team can kind of make yeah. your work life much easier. And I, I, I really identify with that, that, working yeah. with nice people and working with people who, you, you know, when you're having a rough time, you don't have to, you know, put on a front. Or if you're having a good time, you can kind of share that together such a it's it, it massively improves your like work quality of life I think yeah very relatable and like even her Mackie's chat like yeah. <laughs> I think that's so true though what she said about uh retail jobs giving you really good work experience and being re- like you know teaching you really good and important skills um I also thought it was really funny what she said about falling into law that she had done psychology and then uh, <laughs> she just went like, I feel like it's exactly the mates. same for us yeah. we said this from the very start we felt like we fell into law we did and it just happens doesn't it yeah. it's it's crazy because it's such like a huge career it's it's not something you can just consider one day about yeah that sounds good for me let's do yeah. it and it's just happened that way hasn't yeah, it yeah and I actually I think it's one of the main things that I'm learning throughout this podcast is before I felt like I had like a little bit of a secret which was that like I hadn't really planned to become a lawyer and that this was just sort of something that was happening and I thought kind of everybody else in the profession had really purposefully like you know re- like they really really wanted it and that they kind of 
had always had an idea of what specialism they wanted to do and that sort of thing. And actually, I think it turns out that like some people do have that experience and that's brilliant for them. But like more often than not, that's not that's not how it happens. Um, and that's OK. And I do I feel like that's something that I'm really like finding out more and more as we talk to more people is that like, yeah, very often it's just that you fall into stuff, isn't it? In our next episode, we speak to Leila Lezan from the Law Society about what you have to do to qualify as a solicitor and the awards and funding that mean you don't have to take out a big loan like Yammer did. There's also a whole episode on the SQE, the new assessment for solicitors. You can also find more episodes on Apple, Spotify and Acast and anywhere else you can find good podcasts. So make sure you like, review and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our new episodes. This has been Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees from the BBC Legal Team.